This is an Average Fan Podcast hosted by Benny Hanna. Continue to like, rate, and subscribe. Make sure to share. Now streaming on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. This is an Average Fan Podcast hosted by Benny Hanna. to an average fan podcast hosted by none other than l jones week nine college football action did y'all check out some of the games man we're about currently two days away from the first cfp rankings that come out on tuesday um not to mention that we are also getting closer and closer to the end of this college football season which is a sad moment for most college football fans oh man thank y'all for coming back and tuning in listening to an average fan podcast thank you for subscribing rating commenting and sharing the podcast i see y'all out there sharing that podcast man it's important it helps the growth helps with the algorithm so thank you guys for who are out there sharing this podcast getting it out there man it's important love y'all couldn't do it without y'all Week nine college football did not disappoint. And we had a lot of important games this week, especially when we're talking about going forward in the college football season. So as we know, top 25 was dropped today. Um, I'll go ahead and go over those, some of those and we're going to get into some, some breakdowns of some games from yesterday. So number one, uh, top 25 team, UGA 31st place votes. Uh, number two, Tennessee and Ohio State both tied at number two. Tennessee receiving 18 first place votes. Ohio State 15 first place votes. So, man, it's close up there at that top. Number four, Michigan 8 0 on the season. Coming off of that win against Sparty. Uh, we got number five. And number six, Clemson and Alabama, both teams were idle on the week. Uh, Clemson at 8-0 and and Alabama at 7-1. and We got TCU coming in at 8-0, ranked number seven. Oregon, SC, UCLA, Pac-12 rounding out the top 10. Oregon, UCLA, USC, all teams, 7-1. and Moving down, we got Ole Miss at 8-1. Utah, K-State, and Illinois. Shout out to Illinois. Illinois looks like one of those teams you kind of don't want to face late in the year. They're sound defensively. Um, they have a, a good game manager and quarterback at uh, in DeVito. Solid run game, but mostly what sticks out is just that defense, how they're able. They're physical. They hit hard. That. Michigan is going to have to watch out. They they play Illinois that week before Ohio State, so that'll be a game you might want to keep your eye out on. Number 15, LSU. Number 16, Penn State at 6-2. and two. This is a Penn State team. A lot of people will talk. They'll talk shit about Penn State, and they'll say that Penn State is not a good team. I just think when 
we have levels to this. If you're the third best team on your side of the division and you're sitting at six and two and your two losses are against number two and number four, we really can't complain too much, right? We can't. And if I wanted to be petty, I would sit up there and say, if this was a SEC team, they'd probably be ranked a little bit higher, neither here nor there. Number 17, North Carolina. Um, Number 18, OK State. Ooh, ooh. Drop nine spots, y'all. They took a big L. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Tulane, that green wave, the AAC, the American Athletic, 7-1, Wake Forest. They took a big tumble as well, too, as they took one on the head, one on the chin as well to Louisville. We got NC State coming in at number 21, Syracuse at number 22, Liberty making an appearance in the top 25, y'all. Seven and one on the season at number 23, number 24, Oregon State, and number 25, UCF coming off of that big win against Cincinnati. So these are our top 25 for the AP poll. As now we know that the AP poll from this point forward will kind of be just a mere afterthought, maybe just a reference point because not a lot of people are going to talk too much about that AP top 25, especially with this college football ranking coming out. We'll do our own college football ranking um, near the end of this podcast and just near the end of this episode, excuse me. Um, as we go forward, but let's talk about some games that matter y'all. Cause that, I mean, that's what y'all are here for. So UGA versus Florida, uh, UGA comes out on top 42 to 20 in a game that was 28 to 20 in the third quarter. UGA was unfazed and was able to keep the Gators at bay and kind of pull away late. So. UGA has some things they need to take care of. One of them being Stetson Bennett. To me, Stetson Bennett opened the year against Oregon, and he looked like the clear-cut favorite to win the Heisman. Since then, Stetson has looked like Stetson Bennett. He has not looked the same as of late compared to how he looked in week one. And this is something you kind of want to get fix going into next week's game against Tennessee reason being we know that Tennessee has a quote-unquote suspect secondary can Georgia exploit that also Stetson threw some bad interceptions even a touchdown pass that brought Bowers caught we saw that play that was a play that was crazy right and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, one thing, I, UGA got that ground game going. Edwards, he led the rushing charge with uh, 106 yards on the ground and two TDs. Brock Bowers doing Brock Bowers things. Five receptions, 154 yards, and a crazy touchdown. This crazy touchdown was the one I was talking about with the Stetson Bennett pass. Stetson Bennett was able to throw a pass down the sideline in which the Florida defender, instead of knocking it down and trying to one hand intercept it, he kind of tips it and it takes a crazy bounce, hits the shoulder pad, spins off the helmet. Bowers juggles it a couple times, juggles, bobbles, secures it, and then keeps running for the TD. 
Georgia's next opponent is Tennessee. And the way Tennessee played Bama. Now, this game is going to be different because this game, Tennessee's coming to Athens. So they'll be leaving the comforts of Knoxville to go ahead and ride out to Athens. And really, this is for the SEC East. Tennessee's beating Florida. Georgia's beating Florida. Tennessee has beaten Kentucky. Okay, so Tennessee goes in here and they beat Georgia. You're looking at SEC East champs. If they lose, Georgia controls everything. So this game is very important for both sides. Can't wait to see this matchup. Speaking of the aforementioned Tennessee Volunteers, they took on Kentucky in the primetime game on Saturday night. This game happened to be over right when Tennessee marched out the tunnels. Electric atmosphere. Love the night, the night theme, the night vibe that they created in Neyland Stadium. It was electric. It was too much for tennis for Kentucky to deal with. Excuse me. This was a game in which some might have said, hey, look out. Tennessee could be on a possible upset alert versus of Kentucky, as this could really end up being what we would call a look-ahead matchup because they got Georgia coming up. Tennessee said no. Kentucky has all of our attention, and Kentucky wish they had no. 44-6. Jalen Hyatt is trying to put his name in the Bolitnikoff conversation. He has two more TDs in this game. He's looking like he's uncover uncoverable outside on those edges. The way Tennessee spreads you out and runs tempo is dangerous because most defenses cannot handle tempo, especially when you're mixing pass and run. It's equivalent of boxing. You're throwing your jabs and mixing in your jabs with your body shots. It's kind of tough to overcome, especially if you got everything flowing. This matchup with Georgia is what everybody wants. It's a very interesting matchup because it's strength on strength. Uh, Georgia has a very good secondary. Tennessee has a very good pass game. They have a very good offense. Can Georgia handle the tempo? Can Tennessee do the things that is necessary in defeating a top team? We know they beat Bama. Georgia is a little different monster right now. Just because of the defense, the defensive aspect and how they can, if they want to control the clock and really just keep keep Tennessee on the sideline. I, I can see teams starting to treat Tennessee the way they're starting to do Ohio State and just hey, keep that team on the sideline. Let's go ahead. We're going to use every down. As long as we can stay ahead of the chains, get these first downs, let's Let's control this clock, keep Hooker and them on the sidelines, give our defense plenty of rest because you're going to run a lot of plays against this Tennessee offense. So this is a good game going forward. As I said, strength on strength. I'm interested to see how Kirby gets these DBs ready for this game. Now on the flip side, Hypo, what does Josh Hypo do to kind of give Georgia some different looks? Can we? Are we going to see a running Hooker or are we going to see a passing Hooker? That sounds funny, I know, but we'll keep it moving. Number two, Ohio State versus Penn State in a stripe out. This was the big noon kickoff game 
on Fox, in which we saw that OSU defense, that that Buckeye defense, they started off the same way they did against Iowa, forcing two quick interceptions on the first two possessions. (laughs) Now I watched this game, and I felt like, wow, Jim knows in his defense is a bit different. They are really a bit different than last year. Granted, JTT was in his first year last year. He didn't look the way he did as he forced the first interception on a beautiful, just get my hands up, receive uh quarterback. And it's something he saw on film. It had to be something he seen on film with the way Clifford was throwing these balls to where he knew that if he just got his hands up and jumped up there, he would be able to knock some passes down. So when Clifford goes for his first pass attempt, he bats it up in the air and Zach Harrison intercepts it. Then he comes back on the next uh, Penn State possession and then is able to kind of drop back in coverage and then beat the running back, intercept the ball. So many of you guys might not know, but JTT actually plays basketball. He's a dual sport athlete, and he actually wanted to play basketball at Ohio State. It's crazy. Um, At this point uh, in the game, you kind of felt like Ohio State could be on their way to a blowout. Like, But then those offensive struggles for Ohio State came. Now, here's what's frustrating. Disclaimer, side note. I've been watching this Buckeye team for pretty much over half my life. And one thing I noticed with this Buckeye team is either their offense is really great or their defense is really great. They have a hard time marrying the two, just putting them together because if they're able to put this together with what they have now, they without a doubt, the most complete team in college football, but they can't marry the two. So it begins to become a little bit frustrating as a fan but you appreciate it because you're able to get these wins and it's hard. Everybody's hype off of how Penn state got blown out and drugged by Michigan. Also side note, Penn state was leading by one point in that Michigan game at halftime, the same way they were in this one. So these offensive struggles, I'm going to talk about, um, let's just be honest. Okay. So after, those two interceptions, they were able to hold, they being Penn State, was able to hold Ohio State to just three points. Okay, the offensive play calling, it really left a lot to be desired as that whole Buckeye team just struggled to be physical when Mayan Williams is not in the game. Might be an unpopular take or viewpoint, or might a lot of people might say you're not really watching the game correctly. This is what I see when I watch it. When Travion comes in the game and they try to run the ball with Travion, I don't know if the defenses get there. They just gear up for him more so than the Mayan trying to tackle Mayan Williams is not easy. Trey Henderson being a finesse back and not a bruiser. These guys are like, oh, oh, okay, we got Travion back here. Let's tee off. It seems like every time Travion really touches that ball, especially with the type of run schemes they try or the blocking schemes, the O-line tries to run. It does not work. And I wish that Ohio state, if you're not going to call better plays, let's, let's call two different blocking schemes. Let's do zone 
from Mayan and let's do just straight up the tack the in between the tackles with Mayan. Okay. Travion should run. Travion should run the zone and Mayan should just run in between the tackles. Uh, this is the second week in a row against a top, top uh defense, not just in their conference, but in the country. Where they have really struggled and it raises some eyebrows because a lot of people feel like, well, if you're if your goal is a national championship aspiration, how can you even compete against a Michigan or even a Georgia if you make it past Michigan? Even the possible Illinois, like you have to be able to run the ball. So things begin to look a little bleak in this game, especially when Mayan Williams went down toward the end of the first quarter. Um, wrist and arm injury, that, that looked kind of bad. Uh, Penn State was able to weather this Buckeye storm early. Surge found themselves up one point at halftime, as I alluded to earlier, the same way they done with Michigan. So Michigan fans, calm down about this final score because y'all didn't blow out Penn State until the second half. But styles and matchups is why we play the game, especially in college. Like Penn State is geared to go up against a Ohio State. They are not geared to handle the bully ball that is Michigan. So quick recap here. Buckeyes took the lead late in the third quarter off of a Noel Ruggles field goal. Penn State was able to come back, get the one-yard touchdown run by Katron K Allen, in which they missed two field goals, but they were aided because of Buckeye penalties. This is one thing that we saw earlier this year, that Buckeyes had a lot of penalties against some teams that might have been schematically good in what they do defensively or catching the Buckeyes slipping on defense. So with that point, Penn State had a lead in the fourth quarter, 21 to 16. If you're watching this game, you're like, oh, man, Ohio State has not looked like anything on offense. Penn State has a five-point lead. Time is dwindling down in this fourth quarter. Over the next six minutes and change, the Buckeyes scored four touchdowns to push past Penn State. After Penn State took this 21-16 lead, we saw Ohio State's offense do what it could have done all game. Penn State was stopping this bubble screen, these extended quote-unquote run plays in which Ryan Day would have CJ just Throw it outside. What we've seen in years past when they've played Penn State is how they would take a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave and run some jet sweeps because of that speed and really just stretch. Ryan Day makes an effort when he plays Penn State because of their speed. He's worried about it, and you could tell in this play calling. He really tries to get everything and stretch them out to the side and he wants to stretch them vertical and that's what he was trying to do in this game penn state was geared for that they said no we're not going to let you stretch us out to the outside to the sidelines they were too fast for that but where they were susceptible was straight down the middle straight down the seam and every time cj stroud was able to get that play call where they were able to exploit the middle of the field that's what they did so when they got the ball back being down five Three plays later, they were in the end zone off of a Travion Henderson 41-yard touchdown run. So everybody's like, well, 
there goes the Ohio State offense that we're kind of used to so much. What the heck is going on with Ryan Day and his play calling? Like, him and Wilson got to get it together. We know you want to be a running team, but if you're going to be physical, put the right running back in to really execute this or run the right scheme for your running backs. Travion is not a bruiser, so stop sending him up the middle. He can't do that. That's not his game. Get him out on the outside. Get him out. Run him out the backfield catching some passes. He's more dynamic in space. It's common sense. But this is why I have a podcast and I'm not making millions of dollars coaching. So um, just looking at some more stuff in this game. This was the JTT game. Jalen Tui Moalau. Okay, that was his game. He went nuts. So do you guys who follow Ohio State, and if you don't, this is cool. We'll embark on this journey all together. Jim Knowles made a statement when he came to OSU, and he said that on his defense, he wanted to dictate the terms of what the offense did. He wanted to play offense on defense. JTT showed what that looks like. Stat line check, please. Okay, I got you. Six total tackles, three solo, two sacks, three tackles for loss, one pass deflection, resulting in an interception, two interceptions of his own, one pick six, and a forced fumble that was recovered by him. I'm sorry. Five-star five star ratings, they matter, y'all. Let's not act like they don't. Five-star ratings, they matter. And why do they matter? Because talent matters. If you have a good scheme and you have talented players in that good scheme, those stars matter. Number one player in the 2021 composite. Yo, he's showing up. If he just continue, he don't even have to have this type of play going forward. Everybody will look at this tape and they'll gear so much toward him. It's going to free everybody else up on that line. Yo, Zach Harrison on the other side is quietly having himself a season as well. Be careful with this Buckeye team. If Ryan Day gets out of his own way and Kevin Wilson in the play calling, this team could be scary. They give up 31 points, granted. And this is one of my notes, y'all. They gave up 31 points in the most yards they have given up all year long. The DBs were caught slipping. Man, on Parker Washington's 50-something yard touchdown run, they had him. He, they could have stopped him in the first yard game. You get two broken tackles, and he's off to the races. Okay, that's just we'll focus on tackling. This defense, this defense right here, Won the game because it kept them in the game so long. And JTT was just stupid. JTT was crazy in this game. Crazy. So I think they respected the, the Penn State defense a little bit too much. And that kind of bothers me as a fan just watching it. And he had to exploit down the field. I think he gave Joy Porter and them too, many, too much credit because – as as last time I checked, Marvin Harrison had 185 receiving yards. Anytime they needed a big play, who was they dialing up? Number 18. Um, Jim Knowles and his defense, they won this game, in my opinion. They'll they they'll have to go back to the drawing board, show up some stuff. DB DBs were heavily tested, obviously. Um I just think that going forward. 
when we look at this, um, Ohio State has everything in front of them. Everything in front of them. This is a this is one of those games where you had to beat Penn State because if Penn State beats you now, you have to rely on the tiebreaker. Um, and you don't want to have what happened last season, right? You lose the game to Oregon. You kind of have to play perfect ball. You can't drop another game. They end up dropping that one to Michigan. That really derails their whole season. Big disappointment. So, Ohio State fans, let's not worry about Jackson Smith and Jigman anymore. If he comes back, great. If he doesn't, oh, well. You have a team now that was still, dude, they've put up. 40-plus points in every game this season. Outside of the Notre Dame game, which they scored 21 points, they still won by double digits. They have won every game this year by double digits. Have not had a close call. They're scary, okay? That's not hype. That's just facts. Think about this. The one thing you have to worry about with Ohio State, and I know I'm spending a bunch of time on them. I apologize, you guys. The one thing you have to worry about with Ohio State is their offense. But dang, when you slow down their offense and their defense is able to keep them in the game, they're very hard to beat as Penn State in Happy Valley. And you know what's even more interesting? Michigan made it to the college football playoff last year, going to Happy Valley, beating Penn State in a close game. So let's not act like, right? Let's not act like Ohio State's probably not poised. Me personally, I think they're gonna have to shore up this running game. Cause K Tron Allen them on first down, they were getting they were getting five, six yards of pop on first down. And that was how Penn State was able to kind of keep things going in the right direction for them offensively, was just K Tron Allen and um Nick Singleton first down runs, boom, five yards. Four yards, six yards, seven yards. Putting you in the second and three, second and five. Because one thing we know about Jim Knowles and his defense, if you're in, if you're going in the third down and it's like third and seven, good night. Cause he's gonna bring pressure and he's gonna affect and he's gonna muck it up. What your quarterback thinks he sees, he is not there. That picture is really not there. He creates these mirages on defense. And if you are a fan of the game, you have to love it. You have to love it. So Ohio State has everything in front of them. Get this run game fixed. Um, get the play calling fixed. Mostly that's two games in a row. This play calling has been absolute doo-doo. Get that fixed. And we're possibly talking about a national championship contender for sure. Other notable games on this weekend. Okay, State got waxed by K-State. 48 to nothing. Hey, y'all, Adrian Martinez was not playing in this game. Spencer Sanders got exposed. Okay, State got exposed. They didn't score nothing. Whew. Michigan got Paul Bunyan back. They beat Sparty 29 to 7. We also saw Sparty get some retribution in the locker room or in the tunnel, quote, unquote. Uh, after the game as one of their own, one of Michigan's own decides to not stay with his team and go through the tunnel, but kind of skip ahead of everybody and then march in the tunnel. And next thing we know, he's getting beaten and stumped out by five, six Michigan state players. Not a good look either way. Look, we understand that 
that tunnel, it's historic. Um, when you're going against rivals, it's a certain energy that you have that you already bring. And you're kind of, you kind of have that energy and Hey, when you lose a game and you got to go back through there and then these guys come walking back, if they mumble something, you're already ready to go. It's not condoning any of the actions. We do not like to see these things happen or transpire, but nevertheless, they did. Maybe Michigan uh, as a whole university, they kind of look at this and they say, hey, if we only going to have one tunnel and this stuff is going to keep happening, let's stagger them. Hey, man, we got to get a five-minute grace period or something. We got to stagger these boys out. We can't have them going in at the same time. It, it's ugly. It's ugly kind of like the way that Oregon keeps on winning. Slow start, but then they smash out Cal. They they put up 40 points again, 42 to 24. This team looks different than week one. They look like a different team. Georgia was that wake-up call. It's funny. Georgia's still winning games, but Georgia does not look like the same team as they were in week one, and Oregon is saying the same thing. As we alluded to earlier, Wake took one on the chin and to the head by Louisville, 48-21. to 21. Sam Hartman threw two pick sixes in this one. A hey, TCU looks real dangerous as they win 41-31 to 31 over West Virginia. TCU is just hoping hoping for some just some things to happen for them so they can sneak up here but it's slim pickings because you know people are already talking about how if everything holds true tennessee and georgia that's going to take care of itself just like ohio state michigan but the thing is these programs are so good you still might sneak them in i mean you got Alabama to worry about. TCU might be stuck in that seven or six spot all year, uh, depending on what happens. Clemson is another team you got to watch out for, too, because I'm just wondering how the committee is going to view Clemson, not just in this, but just going forward. Are they going to respect what Clemson is doing? This is a hard year for Clemson. Clemson might go undefeated and win their conference championship. Uh, and they might not get into the college football playoff. No one's talking about that. No one is talking about that because conference championships are such a, it's just such a given. But the way Clemson has been playing football compared to a UGA, Tennessee, OSU, and Michigan, and then you're talking about, okay, so let me get into my top four, and then I can kind of rant about this for a little bit. My top four, if I was on the committee right now, not picking for Tuesday night. My top four will be just as just as such. UGA number one, Tennessee number two, OSU number three, and Michigan number four. My next two out will be number five, Alabama, and number six, Tennessee, T TCU. Excuse me. This might be unpopular to Clemson fans, but let's just be honest. I don't think Clemson's beating Alabama. And I think Clemson will have a very tough time beating the TCU team. That's just how I feel about it. Because TCU has speed just like Clemson does. And TCU plays a brand of football in which they're not scared when they go up against anybody. I love to see this matchup play out even in a bowl game. TCU versus Clemson. Sell me tickets. I'm there. Um, 
UGA number one, obviously. Just everything they've done, even with the struggles they've had, they've still been a dominant team all year. Will it come back to bite them? We just don't know. Um, we respect their defense so much. We don't even give it a second thought. Now, keep in mind, they had two bad games um, in which Kansas State and Missouri kind of kind of really pushed them a little bit, scoring some points. Uh, even in this game, Florida, with some athleticism, was able to score 20 points, but it's just that defense just helped them out so much. So, uh, Tennessee number two. Tennessee's been dominant. And then they come off of a 44-6 uh, drubbing of Kentucky in which it could have been a bad matchup or Tennessee is really confident and they're looking forward to this matchup against Georgia. Um, OSU. Ohio State's biggest issue for me ain't going to be the secondary. A lot of people are talking about that secondary play and they're saying how, hey, man, they they got some issues they got to fix out there. I don't disagree with that, but I think OSU's biggest problem right now is going to be their play calling on offense. Ryan Day, Kevin Wilson need to figure this out. The sooner they figure it out, the better, because once they figure it out, they'll be the complete team. The defense is playing crazy, and if Ryan Day just be, he becomes more aggressive and more confident in his play calling, you'll see it reflected even against top teams. Michigan number four, they play a certain style, and I don't. It's hard to see them losing a game when they play that style. That Ohio State Michigan matchup would be interesting, but I'm more concerned about that Michigan Illinois the week before. I think Illinois might surprise Michigan a little bit. That game might go into the fourth quarter, so he might get tested against Illinois. Um, they don't ask JJ to pass a lot. So that's worrisome, too, because if Illinois puts something on film schematically that they're able to slow down that Michigan run game, what is Jim Knowles in Ohio State able to eat up from that film? Alabama at number five. Alabama is so dangerous. They still control their destiny, even with that one loss. And then TCU, as I talked about, I look, I see TCU. They beat Clemson. That's just how I feel about it. So. It's a lot to kind of take in as we are getting closer and closer to this college football playoff reaction, playoff, uh, just them ranking the teams that's coming up on Tuesday night. I might have to do a podcast about that one. Um, this will be a good, this is going to be a good end to the season. I can't wait to see what teams go one, two, three, four. I think the committee is going to agree with me. And if the committee agrees with me, y'all go ahead and continue to share that podcast, like that podcast, rate that podcast, get that podcast out there. I thank y'all. This has been your host, L. Jones, and we out. <laughs>